So prayer, prayers are powerful. How many of you can attest to that? Prayers are powerful. Amen. So today, I just want to remind you of some basics so that you know why you're praying. So last week when we were talking about God's mode of communication is not usually through audible voice, meaning physically you might not be able to hear his voice, but he's always talking. In the book of Revelation, it says, listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. It's present continuous. The Spirit of God is continuously saying. So if you can tune up to his frequency, you can hear what he's saying, but not audibly always. But irrespective of you can hear him audibly or not, the Spirit of God is leading you, and that itself is communication. He's leading you. You are led by the Spirit. So Romans 8, Paul says, for those who are led by the Spirit are called sons of God. So if you are here wondering, I don't know, I don't know if I'm being led. Can I say this? Paul also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he also says, without the Holy Spirit, you cannot say that Jesus is Lord. Can I show you that verse? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However you were led, therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So the very fact that you can confess that Jesus is Lord is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Without the Holy Spirit, there's nobody who can say that Jesus is Lord. I'm giving you a good news. Good news. Okay? More, you don't need more tangible sign. Just the fact that today you can come to church and you can worship God is an enough evidence for you, should be an enough evidence for you that you are led by the Holy Spirit. Just the fact that you woke up, you took that train, and you walked all the way from the station to the church is a fact that you are led by the Holy Spirit. That in itself should be good enough evidence for you to know that you are led. And you are led by the Holy Spirit. But it's just that a mind, mind does not know when the mind is being led or not. That's the issue. A mind does not know. In fact, it's okay if your mind does not know. Tell your mind, CPU tam hai, overflow hota hai, koi baat nahi. The CPU, the, the processing power of the mind is so less compared to what the Spirit of God wants to communicate to you that it's okay if the mind does not understand, but your spirit gets it. Your spirit gets it. Your spiritual mind gets it. Okay? You know, once, once I was praying and I was like, God, this week I haven't heard anything from you. And you know what God said? Surprised me. He said, in fact, I have been speaking the most this week. It's just that your mind did not get it. Because your mind has a limited capacity to receive what the Spirit of God is saying. But your spirit is unlimited. Yeah? So the Spirit of God is speaking to you and you are also listening. But the thing is, our mind sometimes is not able to process it. So it's absolutely fine. The good news is you're being led. You're being led. But through prayer, what prayer does is, prayer 
opens up your spiritual senses to be led effectively by the Spirit. What does it do? It opens up your spiritual senses. You know, when, when a baby is born, baby exercises their muscles so that they can start using their muscles effectively. How does a baby start walking? First starts crawling, then starts getting up, falls down, gets up, falls down. Right? Just like that, your spiritual senses are being exercised as you start praying so that you can be effectively led by the Spirit. Prayer opens your ears to hear what God is saying. Prayer opens your eyes to see what God has for you tomorrow. Prayer opens your hearts to receive His Word. Prayer prepares your mind to protect yourself against any spiritual attack. Prayer gives you speed so that you can accelerate into your destiny. True? So what prayer does is it opens up your spiritual senses so that you can be effectively led by the Spirit of God, right? But my question is, where is the Spirit of God leading you? Yeah, I know, meaning it's, it's a very subjective question. Today, the Spirit of God might lead me into doing this, and tomorrow it might be that. But generally, where is the destiny towards which the Spirit of God is leading? There's a general destiny that all of us as child of God have. Is that true? There should be. <laughs> the Spirit of God is not clueless like us. There should be a general destiny, right? There's, there's a destiny that God has for us. Right? So I want to show you. Come with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Let's see why God created us. Okay? Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Why did God create you? To have dominion. See, it was not God's agenda to create you so that you could worship him. See, worship is not God's agenda. Worship is our agenda. We want to worship because He is good. But it was not God's agenda. God's agenda was to create man who was created in His image, in His likeness, to have dominion. You don't need dominion in heaven. <clears throat> you need dominion here. What does it say? Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You were created to have dominion. You were created to rule and reign. See, if, if Jesus is king of kings, who are the kings that he is king of? Have you thought about it? We call him king of kings, but who is, who, who is he ruling over? Kings. See, you were created to have dominion. To dominion in every aspect of the world. Why is the world in chaos today? Is because the sons and daughters of God have not taken dominion. 
Why is the social world, the political world, whatever world there is, is in chaos is because the children of God have not taken dominion. You and me were created for dominion. So verse 26 says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion. Verse 27, he says how you shall have dominion. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, both are created in the image of God. Okay. Next verse, and God blessed them. You were blessed by God. The day you were created, you were blessed by God. What did God say? God said to them, be Fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. So according to God, God's plan for dominion, there's a very simple plan. The first step is be fruitful. Second is multiply. Third is Subdue. Fourth is fill the earth is third. Okay. Fill the earth. Subdue. Okay. This is how dominion is going to happen. Unfortunately, the Indians thought being fruitful was to have children. So their way of dominion is filling the earth <laughs> with more Indians, right? That's why our population is so high. But being fruitful is not just to have children. It is part of it is yes to have children, but being fruitful is not just to have children. I'll tell you why. Because if being fruitful is, was just to have children, then Jesus is the most unfruitful person, right? He didn't have kids. He didn't get married. Being fruitful means being productive. There's a purpose by, for which you are here. There's a purpose. There's a reason why God created you. And God is saying be fruitful. Be productive in that purpose. There's a heavenly purpose on you. There's a heavenly calling on you. Be productive. What is your gifting? Do something about it. Be productive. You know, your gifting, if it is not preaching, if your gifting is cooking, be productive in the kitchen. But not just that, but make sure that whatever you are producing, your product, it multiplies. It's not just limited to my house, my family, my city. It multiplies. So if your productivity is academics, you have to learn to multiply. If your productivity is computers, you have to learn to multiply. God is giving us a business plan. And we are thinking it's all about going to heaven. See, I'm not negating that you know, heaven, heaven is a beautiful place. But do you know that heaven is a temporary place for you and me? We are at the end going to come back to earth. <laughs> Did you know that? It's like... See, when I go to the US, I touch base in Dubai for transit. I never make a big deal about Dubai because my destination is US. Yeah, I transitioned 
in Dubai, took another flight. But nobody makes a big deal. But Christians are the only one who make a big deal about the transit. Heaven is a transit place. It's a transition. It's a place of transition where you catch the next flight so you can reach your destiny. Your destiny is not heaven. Your destiny is where heaven and earth becomes one and that place is called the new earth. Okay? Your destiny is not that one day you will let go of this body and then spirit will go and you will worship God. That's not your destiny. Yes, when you die, you will go to heaven and your spirit will worship God. Yes, that is true. But that's an incomplete story. The final result of the gospel is when your body is resurrected. And your body worships God, not in heaven, but on earth. If you don't believe me, read Revelation 21. Don't read now because we don't have enough time. But read Revelation 21. It talks about how Jerusalem comes down from heaven and God dwells with his people on earth. Earth, earth is the final destination. That's why God created earth. Because I used to think, you know, as a child, I used to think, if, if, the, if the whole goal was to get to heaven, why on earth did he create earth? If the goal was to get to heaven, why did he even create the body? He could have all just gone. Right? But he came, he died. He died, he resurrected. Why? He's, he's showing you a sample, a prototype. He's a prototype. He's a prototype of what we could become and what we are. So, God's plan was dominion. The first step of dominion is being fruitful. Be productive. You need to have a purpose. You need to have a calling. You need to know what your calling is. You can't be purposeless. I heard somebody say, the most... The richest place on the earth are the graveyards. Because so many purposes have not been completed, have not been fulfilled. So much of potential that has, that has not been tapped into. So God has a purpose for you. And he says, be fruitful in that purpose. Be productive. When you learn to pr produce something, multiply that production. When you multiply that production, fill the earth. Your productivity should be so much that it fills the earth. God is not just talking about opening a restaurant and it's, it just has local chains. He's talking about fill the earth. And I'm just talking in business terms. I'll come to the spiritual term also, okay? But please understand, God wants you to be productive, multiply, fill the earth and subdue. Meaning anything that comes against your purpose needs to be subdued. Christian suffering is not living a life of misery. Christian suffering is not living a life of poverty. Christian suffering is picking yourself up and getting out of your comfort zone. Whatever makes you uncomfortable. So that you can live a life of freedom and glory. Christian life is not about being comfortable. Christian life is about being free and being Glorious. And that comes with a cost. 
because you have to fight this mind this mind that is trying to hold you prisoner is trying to limit you sarah recently got a you know she's she testified of a promotion that is five times okay not talking about 20 30% five times increase i'm sure the holy spirit is working in our minds to tell her it's okay sarah it's just five times because i can understand how difficult it is for her to even imagine can this even be possible you know we want to clap for such testimonies but you have no idea the turmoil they are going through that itself is suffering that itself is suffering because it is pushing you out of your comfort zone even even living a miserable pathetic life can become comfortable you know we can comfort ourselves in the walls of limitations that we have it's okay sam you are only called for this but god wants you to break free he wants you to break free knowing the truth is not always so glamorous you know it is painful there's so much i didn't know what kind of a life was i living that's why when we get to heaven we'll be crying there was so much that i could tap into but i didn't okay so god created you for dominion he created you for dominion he says be fruitful he blessed you multiply fill the earth subdue your purpose is not over till you fill the earth and subdue lighthouse purpose is not over till we don't fill the earth and subdue don't be happy just by starting a business don't be happy in the position that you have in you have to fill the earth and subdue you know why so that in your blessing god is glorified work and worship they come from the same root word they're very related so sometimes when we when we come to church we think only this is worship me singing songs but your work can also become worship to god because what will bring a joy to a father when somebody helps his child right it will bring joy see if my father gets to know that a friend of him helped me out in a difficult situation my father will rejoice right when you become a channel of blessing in your workplaces for example to somebody it brings joy to the father work is also worship sadly christians are very faithful in churches but are very unfaithful in their workplaces highly productive in church i'm not saying you should not be i'm just saying you should be productive wherever you are because you are blessed to be fruitful to multiply to fill the earth and to subdue in the responsibility that you have been given with do people say my goodness this guy is extraordinary do they say that or you just average you need to know your calling where the extraordinary purpose of god is 
revealed. Yeah? So let's get spiritual now. Romans 8. Romans 8, okay? Verse 28. <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Not everything that happens in your life is good. There are bad things that happen. But together they work towards for your good. Some of the things that happens in your life, the bad things, you can't blame God. It's, you can blame yourself because of the choices that you made. Right? But still, irrespective of the stupid choices that you make, irrespective of all of, all of that, the Spirit of God is leading you towards good. In all things, God worked together for, He works together for our good. Okay? And then He says, according to His purpose. So this good that we are talking about is according to the purpose of God. So you have to understand what is the purpose of God. Right? The next two verses say what is the purpose of God. 29 and 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Next verse. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he, all, he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Please, please try to understand. These two verses were one of the toughest verses for me. Okay, it took a very long time for the Holy Spirit to get through me. But once, once I understood this, this has become like a massive revelation. Okay? Just, just follow this. The first one is foreknowledge of God. Second one is predestined. Third one is calling. Fourth one is justified. Fifth one is glorified. Okay? What does foreknowledge mean? It can be broken up into two words before plus knowledge. That means God knew you even before you knew yourself. God knew you even before you were created. God knew you before the foundation of the earth. He knew you. He knew you. Okay? He knew you intimately. What is the meaning of predestined? Predestined means that he has a purpose for you. Or destiny for you. So God knew you before, before the foundation of the earth. And he had a purpose for you. He had a destiny for you. What was that destiny? Not heaven. Come to 29. Predestined to be, listen to this, read that. Predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So God knew you before the foundation of the earth and then he had a destiny for you. 
He had a destiny for your life. So even before you, you came into existence, God had a destiny for you. What was that destiny? That destiny was for you to become like Jesus. The purpose that God has for you is to become like Jesus. This purpose for you is to become like Jesus. It is to be conformed to the image of His Son. It's not just to get to heaven. Predestination is not about getting to heaven. Predestination is about becoming like Jesus. So even before Adam sinned, God knew you. God knew you by your name and he predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. So Jesus' sacrifice was not an afterthought of Adam's sin. Oh God, oh now suddenly I have to come, come up with a plan. No, no, no. God predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. So irrespective irrespective of Adam sinning or not sinning, Jesus would have come so that you and me could be conformed to the image of his son. Jesus' coming was not an afterthought. Plan B. Gabriel, those idiots just had that fruit. Will you call Jesus? He needs to go. No. He predestined. He knew you before and he predestined. He predestined you to become like Jesus. Now my question to you is, Genesis 1.26 says that we were created in the image of God. Right? That means we were created in the image of God. Then why is he predestining us to become like Jesus? Was Adam created in the image of God? But he was not yet conformed to the image of Jesus. Please understand this. He was created in the image of God. Every baby that is born on the earth is created in the image of God, but they are not yet conformed to the image of Jesus. How do I know this? How do I know that Adam who was created in the image of God was not conformed to the image of Jesus? How do I know? Because he ate that fruit. If he was conformed to the image of Jesus, he wouldn't eat that fruit. He wouldn't be talking to the devil like that. He would be subduing him. Okay? See, we are all created in the image of God. But being conformed to the image of Jesus means a maturity that needs to be attained in the image of God. So we were all created in the image of God. Baby baby image of God that needs to be matured to the image of Jesus. Jesus was only the image of God that was matured enough to say no. No to the devil. Okay? So we are all created in the image of God but the journey is to have the maturity of Jesus. Not in heaven, here. Heaven does not need your maturity. This is where you need your maturity. This is where the maturity of Jesus is needed. So God created you. He knew you before and he gave you a destiny. And that destiny was for you to become like Jesus. And because the destiny was for you to have the maturity of Jesus, he gave you a little 
you know, a starting, give you like a starting boost, like a trigger, which was to create you in the image of God. That's why Paul says we are moving from glory to glory. We're not moving from shame to glory. You are already created in glory. And now you're moving to more glorious glory. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, knew you before. He predestined you. And then he called you. What does it mean, call? Call means he gave you a choice. I call you today. I choose you for this purpose, but I give you this choice. This choice is yours. Do you want to accept this invitation? So he's giving you an invitation. For example, Blessy, I created you. I knew you before you were born. The destiny for you is to become like Jesus, but I call you. Are you willing to become part of this invitation? Do you accept this invitation? Because God does not force his love is not forceful. He gives us free will. So he called, he invited us, invoking our free will. Hey, do you accept? Do you accept your destiny? So it is on you. If you're not becoming like Jesus, it's on you. Because the call is upon your life. The call of God is upon your life, inviting you. Come. The destiny is to become like Jesus. It's on you. So because the call was there on your life, God did something so that it will become an evidence for you to know that the invitation is open. What is the evidence? Justify. How are you justified? Through the cross. So Adam fell. All humanity fell. They were all in sin. Jesus came and he died. It is not because of our righteousness. It is because of the righteousness of Jesus. So you are justified. Where are you justified? In your spirit. You are justified. Does that make sense? Now, if you remember my, the teaching that I taught you about the spirit, soul and body. If this is the body... And if this is the soul, this is your spirit. So when Adam sinned, the spirit died. God said, in dying you shall die. The day you eat of this tree, in dying you shall die. Meaning, the day you eat, the clock has started. The clock of death has started. In dying you shall die. Now when we talk about spiritual death, spiritual death is not non-existence. Death does not mean non-existence. Death means separation. So when somebody dies on the earth, they, their body has been separated from the spirit. So when we say that we are spiritually dead, what it means is our spirit has been separated from God. Spirit did not know, it, it did not go into a phase of non-existence. It just became separated relationally from God. That is what we call death. But the good news is, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says, But God who is rich in mercy, with the great love that he had for us, he raised us up in Christ, and he has made us seated with him in the heavenly places. So the separation that happened, 
that has rejoined through the person of the Holy Spirit. So the day you accept Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you and now you have life. You are no longer living in death. You have life, life because you are in union with God through the Holy Spirit. See, when John 10.30, when Jesus says, me and my father are one, he is not talking about singularity one. He is talking about one as in union. Like how we say, me and my wife are one. It's in union that we are one. So today you can say that you and the Father are one. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. But that, this has happened in the spirit realm. So in the spirit realm, you and the Holy Spirit are one. Which we call being justified. You have been justified. There is no separation. Any, any accusation that was against you to accuse you, to separate you from the Father... It's all gone. It's you have been justified. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God who justifies, who can accuse you? Same chapter. It is God who justifies. So you have been justified in the spirit. Okay? So you have a Holy Spirit that is within you, that has been sealed with you. It's in complete union with you. But that potential of the Holy Spirit is to overwhelm the entire cosmos. Right? Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, and the earth was void and it was formless and it was dark and God said, let there be. Light came from where? Came from God. That light of God has the power to overwhelm the entire dark cosmos. You have the potential to overwhelm the entire cosmos. It is, it is within you. It is tapped. There's, there's untapped potential that is within you in the Holy Spirit. So this Holy Spirit that is within your spirit wants to overflow. That's why Jesus told the Samaritan woman, if you drink of this living water, it shall, streams of living waters will form to become an everlasting life. So the Spirit of God that is in you, it wants to overflow. How does it overflow? By flooding your mind, by flooding your heart, by flooding your emotions, by flooding your thoughts, and then by flooding your entire body with the life of God. So when the Holy Spirit completely possesses your body is what we call a glorified state. So you have been justified. Till now this has been done completely by Jesus. But you will be glorified when the Holy Spirit completely possesses your body. It begins to possess your mind. It begins to possess your heart. It begins to possess your emotions. And then it possesses your body. But here's a question. How does he possess our body? It only happens by free will. Every time you accept the leading of the Spirit, you are saying yes to the Spirit so that the Spirit can overcome your flesh and starts beginning to possess your different aspect of your life. To a point that your Spirit can possess your entire body, that you become like walking Jesus. That's our destiny, not in heaven but on earth. This is what we are pushing for. Why are you praying? To be led by the Spirit. Where is the Spirit leading you? To be conformed to the image of Jesus. So that 
inside of you there's a potential there's an untapped potential that has a power to overcome the entire cosmos and that power has the potential to flood your minds flood your hearts flood your thoughts everything that you have when you experience this then you can say yeah i'm living an abundant life that's abundant life but if christ is in you although the body is dead because of sin the spirit is life because of righteousness and he who raised christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies this is why i'm asking you to pray i'm asking you to pray so that you can surrender to the work of the holy spirit and the holy spirit starts possessing every aspect of your life where was the devil when he sinned where was adam when he sinned garden of eden which is which is an atmosphere pulled from heaven right what is the guarantee that you and me have that when we get to heaven we will not sin what is the guarantee the guarantee is this that he will possess us completely that it will not be our flesh we will not be led by our flesh but by the spirit the guarantee is jesus can you trust that jesus in heaven is not sinning can you trust that Can you trust that no matter how filthy the earth is if Jesus was here on the earth he will not be sinning can you trust that then you can trust that even you that can happen for you also because the story is not so that the holy spirit will be locked up inside of your soul but it is for the holy spirit to flow out so that it possesses your body but possession of the body does not begin until the possession of the soul happens until this happens this cannot happen so the possession of the soul needs to happen and then possession of the body possession of the soul the process where the holy spirit is possessing our soul is what we call sanctification that's where you're justified you're sanctified and you are glorified but can i show you something interesting that word for he foreknew you he predestined you he called you he justified you he glorified you 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 see the tense all are past meaning for god he sees the final picture you don't see it but he sees the final picture he says hey because of what I have created you don't know yourself I have created you I know the potential that you carry and I have given you the holy spirit so I know that you are already glorified I see the final picture Ephesians 2 verse 10 for we are God's masterpieces God's masterpieces created for good works you think you know yourself do you think you know yourself only the creator knows the product well because he created it the product does not know itself 
but the creator knows so don't listen to your own thoughts can somebody give me an extension board is there an extension board no just want to show you show you an example don't listen to your own thoughts have you seen an extension board don't worry about it just imagine with me an extension board okay the plug the plug needs to be plugged in into a power supply so that the extension board starts supplying power but just imagine the plug is not plugging into an external power supply but it is plugging into its own power supply what is going to happen nothing your life why your life nothing is happening show me it's 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 good to see to see and learn when you are being led by the flesh this is how this is what is happening when you are being led by the flesh when you are listening to your logical reasoning your logical reasoning you know your intellect that you spent 20 years studying this is what is happening but when you are led by the spirit is you are plugging this into an external power supply of god being led by the spirit is a privilege guys it is it is a privilege it's a privilege so pray 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 so that your senses your spiritual senses will open up more than your flesh and you can experience the power of god experience the power of god power of resurrection is not a concept it has to become a reality because you were justified for that the same power of resurrection is within you the same power of resurrection can flood your mind can flood your thoughts that has depression can flood your body that has sickness same power of resurrection paul's prayer in ephesians chapter 1 from verse 15 onwards if you read he he talks about oh i pray that we will experience the power of resurrection the same power by which christ was raised from the dead that's why you pray you pray you pray you pray so that you know that you're already connected it's not in your prayer that you're being connected but in prayer you recognize that you're already connected and you let the life of god flow in and through you amen wow okay next week let's pray father we thank you for this purpose that you have blessed us with this purpose to become like jesus and this is our prayer today o oh lord that our eyes will not drift away from this purpose of becoming like jesus in anything that we do in any area of our life where we want to have dominion i pray that our hearts cry will be to become like jesus not just in purity but in power both in purity and power to become like jesus thank you lord for speaking to us we surrender in jesus name we pray amen amen god bless you guys